Hi, welcome to NDE TV. I'm Peggy Robinson. Today's guest is Mark Nelson. And you can also see a video of him on the 700 Club. Mm. So are you yeah. ready to dive in? Tell us your story, Mark. I'm ready, Peggy. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a really a blessing uh, to have an opportunity to uh, really shine light on what God did. Uh, for me and, and sort of a, a very difficult time in my life. Um, but I'll start from the, the very beginning. Uh, I, I was raised up in a, a uh, just a godly home. My, my parents uh, were Catholic and were uh, really brought into the charismatic movement in the, the late 70s in the Catholic Church. So from the time I was very young, I was brought up in this atmosphere of, of just wanting to find out more and learn more about Jesus uh, in every way possible. Uh, so we were just going from here to there, from house meeting to house meeting. Um, so I was really brought up in, in a, a position and a placement of just searching out and, and loving Jesus. Uh, he was our, our goal, he, he was the end game for us uh, throughout our entire lives. But, uh, you know, from an early age, uh, you know, when you have that uh, in, in, in Ephesians 6, it talks about this spiritual battle that is going on in our lives. And when when you have someone that is is searching and, and following Jesus so closely, uh, you're opened up to some spiritual attacks uh, from the enemy. Um, and that's why we have to put on this full armor of God every day to protect us from those, those evil spiritual attacks that, that are happening. And so, uh, you know, I, I lived a life, uh, committed, uh, to following the Lord, uh, all the way up to the age of 13. And at the age of 13, there, there was an attack on my life from the enemy and, and really, uh, brought a lot of confusion to my mind. Um, and so I uh, just started being attacked with perversion. Are you saying that, that maybe you were sexually abused? I was never sexually abused. No, I was. Uh, I was just. My mind was attacked with perversion. Okay. It was. It was perversion, uh, full on. I. I was uh, anything sexual. Um, my mind was being overrun with it, and. Uh, and it was really, it really came uh, on as a, 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 in a placement of, of when I was part of a, a very engaged youth group growing up in, in a church that there was a, a, a really a battle going on in that youth group uh, in the natural, which brought on a spiritual attack from the enemy. So there was a lot of confusion uh, happening among a lot of us. And I was just attacked spiritually in my mind. And, and from that point on, I, I, I left the church and uh, did not want to go back. I was running away from God fully. Are you saying that and, something happened in the youth group, the uh, tendency towards that? Yeah, yeah. There was a there was a uproar in the youth group where uh, everyone wanted to be uh, leading a small group within the youth group. And uh, a lot of pride uh, got into a lot of us. And it was through a spirit of pride that the enemy was able to come in and really bring attacks on a, a lot of us. And, and I was just attacked from the enemy uh, through the mind. So I, I uh, at the age of 13, I was thinking things that I probably should have never been able to be thinking uh, those sexual, sexual thoughts at that age. Okay. So uh, to really, uh, really cover those thoughts. I, I started uh, smoking and drinking at a young age. Um, 
addicted to drugs, alcohol, um, and and really lived that uh, life up and through high school, just trying to uh, block some of those those thoughts that were coming into my mind, which was all which was all the enemy, Peggy. It was all the enemy that was happening. It, it was all over me, and so uh, you know, at the age of eighteen, I left for college and. Um, and uh, some of these thoughts started entering my mind that were more of homosexual in nature. And I started uh, really believing uh, that uh, I was born in the wrong body and that I was uh, you know, supposed to live out my life in this way of being attracted to the same sex. Do you know where you got That's... that idea? Well, I, I, again, I think it was, it was just the, the, the power of the enemy in my mind uh, and uh, the... Uh, introduction to pornography at a young age. Uh, it was okay. it was sort of a, a desire for all things sexual. And, you know, I, I was having uh, sexual relationships with women, and then it was like I, I wanted to even do more. So I, I I moved into this world of having sexual relationships with men. Okay, and, so you uh, were introduced to that by watching pornography. Is that what you're yeah, saying? There was okay. There was a pornography introduction at a young age as well. So I. I was fully engaged uh, in a desire for homosexual relationships starting in college and was living out that life for many, many years and, and, and going in and out of relationships, um, uh, drinking, uh, doing drugs. Uh, it's all part of that lifestyle. Um, it's just the way we medicated ourselves uh, because we knew what we were doing was especially those that grew up in the church, we knew what we were doing was wrong. So we, we wanted to medicate uh, ourselves so we could really move past that. Cause I think that, we think we're cool too. We're cool too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the homosexual life uh, for me and, and how I saw it was always undercover. It was always in the dark. We were always, you know, sneaking. It was always things done late at night. It was, it was from the, the nightclubs to the parties to the after parties. So everything was done undercover. And it was really that, that sense of doing things really in the dark, which is, again, another work of the enemy. It, he always moves in, in dark places. And so uh, we know that. Um, so I was continuing uh, uh, to move in that world. And, and it was very, very dark. It was very dark. And I was doing things uh, that. Uh, were so so far from what God had planned for my life, but but I knew I knew again I was I was really fighting a spiritual battle that was between good and evil, life and death over my life. From that point of thirteen, when I really moved into this world where my mind was overrun with 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 perversion. So. Uh, so I was in and out of relationships. I was I was doing I was in the club scene. I was um, just very active and engaged. And and uh, but I also was you know graduated uh, from college and was living a professional life as well. Um, I was I, I actually graduated from FSU Florida State University and and started working at that time for the governor of Florida. Uh, which was Jeb Bush, and uh, and actually uh, worked a lot of special projects for him during these years uh, when I was living in the homosexual life. And uh, in 2005, uh, my normal routine was to leave work and go to the bar, the, the, the gay bar, 
and uh, during happy hour. And then I would leave the gay bar, go home and get dressed and come back to the bar uh, for to try and hook up and, and have a ha go to an after party. But on this one night in 2005, I was driving home uh, from the bar to planning to come back to the bar. And I was um, driving down Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee, which was a very narrow road. And I felt my car being moved into the parking lot of an Assemblies of God church, which I, I, I just couldn't believe how it happened. But my, I was physically moved into this parking lot and I was moved into the, the sanctuary and up to the front row uh, during a Wednesday night service. And uh, yeah, it, it was so powerful. And, uh, and when I sat down on that front pew, um, I was just overrun with conviction. It was, it was a true encounter with the Holy Spirit, uh, convicting me for all that I had been doing for all those years. And I was just weeping and weeping and weeping and weeping. And, and uh, this lady uh, that I never met, never knew, came over to me. And she just felt the presence of the spirit and just laid hands and started speaking life over my, my situation. And it was, it was, it was amazing. And I felt this connection back to God and, and felt my life being shifted and turned in that, at that point in my life in 2005. And I was just, I was overrun with so much emotion, Peggy, that, that it was, it was not nothing but an act of an all-powerful God and, and driven by this, the, the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way. That's amazing. I'm just thinking like on your way to the bar or get yeah. ready to go to the bar, just go to church instead, see what happens. That's right. That's right. It was, it, it was a, it was a true intervention from the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was, you know, in a lot of relationships up until that point, a lot of gay relationships and, I knew that um, I, I had this initial connection back to God and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me that, that night and I felt his presence so strong. And, and I, I told him with a, a verbal vocal voice that my life was going to change and I was going to turn myself around and leave uh, the homosexual lifestyle. And, and I left that church that, that night believing and I went home and, and my life was changing. And uh, the enemy, you know, he doesn't play fair. And uh, he came in to my mind again and he said, well, why don't you just start attending a, a gay church? And and so I uh, instead of going to uh, that Assemblies of God church, I started becoming active in, in the gay church, the, the Metropolitan Community Church there in Tallahassee, uh, a gentle shepherd, and, uh, and, and continued in uh, a gay relationship. This time I was committed in a relationship. Um, I wasn't, uh, you know, playing the field. I wasn't having one night stands. It was a committed relationship with one guy. And we went to church together and we were living uh, this life uh, committed to the Lord, but in a gay church, which, which is very deceiving. Um, and they, uh, and so we lived, we did this life. We were committed to the Lord. We were living life together and we were also active in a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, really uh, 
organizations and, and programs that were uh, moving in the direction of, of really making same-sex marriage legal. And so we were very active on uh, the equality scene and, and working with Equality Florida and uh, the Human Rights Campaign. So we were, we were just, uh, just active together and, and thought we were doing it right and doing what God wanted us to do. But um, it wasn't what God wanted us to do. And, and so for three years, that's how, that's how I lived. I, I lived in, in this idea that I was living a, a life that was right by God. And it was in, uh, it was in 2008. Um, yeah, actually today, 14 years ago. Uh, February 15th was the, the night that I was uh, working at that time. Uh, I had left, uh, Governor Bush had left office and I was working at that time for his mother, Barbara Bush. And we were uh, at an event down in Southwest Florida called Celebration of Reading. And uh, that night on uh, February 15th, I started getting sick very quick, very fast. And I had a high fever. My lungs were not working as well as they should. I couldn't breathe. I, I would walk a few steps and have to sit down because I could not catch my breath. And uh, in my, I, I started losing weight uh, and, and you could just see it in my face. And so I left that event and uh, went back to Tallahassee uh, where my home was. And I spent two weeks in my home um, literally dying. I, 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 my, I was losing weight, high fever. I could not breathe. Uh, I was making, I could barely make it to the bathroom and I would, I would collapse because I had no lung function. And so I, I went to the local uh, urgent care center just to get checked out. And, and they said I had bronchitis, uh, sent me back home and with some medication and uh, nothing was working. So I went back to that urgent care center and they finally took a, 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 an X-ray of my lungs and they said that I needed to be, get to the ER. So they, they sent me to the ER and uh, I uh, got there and, and um, they were doing tests, blood work, all this. They started asking me about my, my lifestyle, you know, if, if I was having any uh, promiscuous sexual activity uh, they were really recognizing some of the symptoms as, as being uh, something involving the immune system because I was so sick. And so um, they did all that and, and put me in a regular room. And a few days later, Dr. Walderberg came in and, and, and said that, you know, I hate to tell you this, but, but you have AIDS and that your viral load is in the millions and millions of copies and your T cell count is, is four. And so if you know anything about the virus, that's how they determine how the level of intensity um, the AIDS is active in your body is by the number of copies of the virus versus the number of fighter cells. So I, I was, he said that you are near death. I mean, that's what, that's where the exact words. He says, we're gonna do all that we can do, we can do to, to keep you alive, but uh, we can't promise anything. So for, for the next two weeks, I laid in this room, this hospital room and, and fighting for my life. And I felt this constant pull between good and evil in an attack from Satan uh, day and night for these two weeks. He was, he was constantly 
moving it in and out of the room and really bringing death to my body. And I felt it because I, I was moving into his presence and out of his presence and into his presence. He really had control of the situation. Oh, yeah, Satan had full control of the situation at this point. And I knew it. I was giving into it. I was speaking death over myself because Satan was sending people into my room that were speaking death over my life and, and telling me that, that I was going to die. And, uh, you know, that's all Satan wanted was for me to die and take me. And, um, so at the end of the two weeks, I was laying in this hospital room. Uh, the Dr. Walderberg came in and said, there's, there's really nothing more we could do for you. Um, that, that you are, you, you really need to make preparations for, for your life to end. I mean, he was, he was giving me these words and he says, uh, you know, the only thing we could do is, is move you into ICU and induce you into a coma and see if your body can rest enough uh, that you can heal. Because for the last two weeks, because Satan's involvement, my body was in full duress. I was in full chaos. So I could not sleep. And so my, my body was unable to rest. So Dr. Walderberger said that he would have to move me into a coma induce me into a coma and move me to ICU to, to get my body to rest. So he said, he said this, this, this key that was just so, so such a turning uh, point in my process. He said, before we can induce you into a coma, you need to call your dad and mom. And, uh, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't told my dad and mom where I was at. I did not tell them that I was sick. They knew I was, you know, what I was doing. They knew my situation. They knew where I'd been. Um, they'd been praying for me, but they, they did not know my current place where I was at uh, in a hospital. So they said, you need to call your dad and mom. Uh, we can't do anything until we have someone here that has legal authority over uh, your life. And uh, so I didn't want to call them at first. You know, the, the, again, Satan didn't want them there because my, my parents were, you know, Bible believing prayer focused moms, uh, a mom and dad that were just focused in prayer all the time. And um, so, uh, but the enemy didn't want my dad and mom there. Satan didn't want my dad and mom there because they knew he knew that if they were there, it would be a different story. There would be a fight, a fight on. So I, I hesitated in calling them, uh, Peggy, and, and uh, I ended up uh, calling them and uh, I couldn't really speak because I was on oxygen. So all I could say was one word at a time before I had to put oxygen back on. And so when I picked up the phone, my mom answered and all I said was mom. And uh, she said that we already know where you're at. You're in a very bad place right now. And the Holy Spirit has told us this. And we have been on our hands and knees praying and fasting for you. And uh, it just blew me away that they were already in position uh, because the Holy Spirit has, had, had left this with them, that they needed to be on their hands and knees in fasting and prayer for me. It gives me cold chills. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just such a powerful moment. I, I, it just blows me away how the Holy Spirit works. And... Um, so at that point, uh, my mom says, do you want us to come to Tallahassee? And, you know, I said, no. 
And uh, that was that was really the, the biggest mistake that I, I, I should have said immediately. Yes, yes, yes. But I said no. And so uh, what was that? Was that pride? It was pride. It was pride. And I also, I think it was also a lot of fear because I, I, I was fearful that they, uh, they would just get, get more and more delve into my entire past, uh, which they only knew sort of a, a high level version of my past. And so I had a lot of pride and I had a lot of fear, uh, through that. And, um, you know, th this, woman that brought me to the hospital that first night from uh, the urgent care center. Um, she was sort of the hospital on and off with me. And uh, my brother ended up calling her because my brother is an EMT firefighter. And he says, what is the deal? Because he knew my past and he wanted the truth. And so my friend ended up saying, uh, yeah, this is what it is. Uh, he has AIDS. It's, it's, it's very dire. And yes, you all need to get to Tallahassee very quick. So well, bless her parents, because that's stepping yeah. out on a limb there professionally. Exactly. exactly. I mean, she, she really, um, because she was told not to say anything. She was, she was really, uh, moving in, in, in a right way, but she told them to get to Tallahassee. So, my parents and all my brothers and their families, they traveled the four hours uh, to Tallahassee caravanning and they get to Tallahassee and, and uh, I'm already in a coma. I'm already induced and uh, into a coma and they're all in the waiting room. And Dr. Walderberg comes in initially before they, anyone can come back to see me. And he says that, uh, that, he just gives everyone in the room a thumbs down. He just took his thumb and he went down. And uh, he says, there's really nothing more we could do. I mean, he's, he's really on the brink of death. And my brother, my oldest brother, Paul, um, just stood up and said, we don't believe that. We believe God can heal his body. And uh, really That's just- a moment right there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, he- just stepped into a place where he said, God, our God can heal him. You know, we serve a God that's so much bigger, so much, so much bigger. And, and uh, Jehovah Rapha, he who heals. And so they were all waiting in the room and they got permission for them to come back two by two. And so my dad and mom were the first ones to come back to ICU. And as they walk into the room, the first thing my mom wants to do is rush to my bedside to lay hands on my body. And uh, so she is moving quickly towards my body. And as she's getting close, the enemy, Satan, physically pushes her away. She feels this push. And she heard him say, get away from him. He's mine. Get away from him. He's mine. Wow. And at that very moment, the Holy Spirit laid into both my dad and mom that this was a war zone, that this was going to be a battle between life and death, heaven and hell, and that they needed to get themselves into the word of God and start speaking scripture over my life, the powerful words of God over my life. And so that's what they did. Uh, they left uh, that room that night and they were just constantly speaking scripture 
over my life. And my mother would write down uh, just pages of pages of pages of scriptures that she is just getting uh, downloaded into her spirit. Um, and she is putting them on paper and she is reading them over and over and over again. And um, just an amazing point. If, if any of the doctors came in because they were going to give them a negative, negative report, they would leave the room and start reading the scriptures loudly again in, in the waiting room or in the prayer room, wherever they could, uh, just so that they were lifting life up for me. Get rid of that and, darkness. And, yeah. And to move me from that darkness, that again, that, that fight between uh, light and dark, light and dark, it was happening. And, and I was, I was in this coma for 22 days and I just felt every day I was feeling this pull between light and dark and heaven and hell every day. Um, and it was, again, the fight that they were involved in as well. It was confirmation. What we both were going through uh, was happening to me, happening to me as well, because I was feeling this constant move between peace and chaos and light and dark and, and heaven and hell. It was, it was a constant movement. And, and the experience was so heavy, so heavy all the time. And um, it just it just kept on going and going and going. But they were speaking the words over my life. Mark will live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Greater is he that is in Mark than he that is in the world. And Mark is more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens him. And, and this was being said over and over and over again. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord. All these scriptures were being just recited and, and boldly proclaimed over my, my body that was going through so much struggle. And so, yeah, 22 days in the coma. And, and it was on March 22nd, 2008, um, that the doctors uh, came in uh, to the, the ICU and my, my dad and mom were there. So you were there and about six weeks? Yes, yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, yeah. So on this night, uh, the doctors, Dr. Dr. Uh, Walderberg came in and, and, and told my, my dad and mom that uh, my body was in such duress and I was having so many convulsions. Uh, and again, this was again, uh, the attacks of Satan on my body, um, which was really real to me. It was confirmation because I was feeling these attacks, but they were seeing these convulsions happening. And um, the doctor said, because of these convulsions, that my hands, that Mark's hands should never be untied from the bed, never be untied from the bed. That he said that if my hands were ever untied and I was able to flail my arms and pull the tubes out of my throat, that I would surely die. He said that would be it. There would be no nothing we could do. He would be dead. And so um, at that very moment, the Holy Spirit told my parents that that's the way Satan would take me. That's the way Satan would take me. So immediately my dad was watching. He was on full watch. He was he was he was staying right by my side. He was making sure no one came in and untied my hands because it was very common for them to untie my hands when people were around. 
because it, it, it allowed them freely to work, but it, it also gave me some peace as well at times. They said I, I was in a coma, so I didn't know, but this is what they were telling me. But um, they, uh, they said from now on, his hands can never be untied, never be untied. And so my dad was watching and watching and watching and watching. And, and uh, it was later that night on March 22nd that um, this nurse comes in to my room. And my dad had never seen her before, and he never saw her again. And uh, she starts untying my hands. And my dad, my dad was very clear with her. He said, she said, he said, you can't untie his hands. You can't untie his hands. The doctors already said no one unties his hands. And, uh, you know, Satan sent this nurse in there. I mean, it, it was probably something very spiritual at this point, because, again, my dad had never seen her before and he never saw her again. He saw he saw all the nurses all the time. And um, she came in and she untied my hands and he kept on saying, don't untie his hands. He can't have his hands untied. And uh, the nurse responded to my dad just with, he'll be all right. He'll be all right. And she walked out. And so my dad actually left the room for a minute just to get someone else to, to sort of confirm this. And as he was coming back in, I flailed my arms. And I, I got my arm caught underneath all my life support. And I just threw my arm up and I jerked everything out of my throat. Oh. And at that very moment, my dad witnessed the flat line and uh, the gurney being dropped to the floor and these two nurses trying to bring me back. And uh, my I was experiencing my soul just separating from my body. And uh, I, I saw what was going on just for a few seconds. I saw them working on me. And my dad was just, I saw my dad just, just moving to and fro. I mean, just full on uh, anxiousness, anxiety. And it was just very quick. And then I, I moved into a place of sort of a dark space. And I saw this uh, light at the end of this sort of just space. I, I can't ex I really explain it, but it was full dark with a light in the far distance. And I started moving towards that light. And I was, as I was moving towards that light, I started seeing and, and hearing all these, different, uh, uh, all these different things that happened in my past. I mean, from the very earliest of ages, I, I was seeing this movement progression from young to my, my uh, years in high school, college, professional work life, all my um, days of, of, you know, parties and, and uh, living away from, from him, God. And, and I started experiencing a conviction um, as I was seeing a lot of these scenes very quickly that were exposing everything that I had done in the past that were, that separated me from God. It was like one after another, after another, after another. I mean, the drugs, the alcohol, the, 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 um, the sex, everything was just right there in front of me, right there in front of me. Boom, 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 boom. And I, I was just experiencing this over and over and over again. And then I, 
the light just disappeared. And uh, because of that conviction, I knew my separation from God was real. It was real. And it was, it was, I was moving into a place that was going to be forever separated from God. And, and I, I knew this, I knew this, it was very clear to me. And in this dark space, now that I was in, I, I, I started hearing these light, light cries for help. And they just started getting louder and louder and louder, just screaming, help me, help me, help me over and over and over again. It was overwhelming me. It was, it was just all around me. And then I started experiencing uh, these blows, these physical blows to my soul. It was, it was uh, kicks and punches and pulls. It just constant attacks uh, from different parts all over. I couldn't see when the, where, where it was coming from, but it was constantly. And I was crying out. I was crying for help. I was crying for help. And it was just so serious. It was such an attack. It was, it was, it was, uh, I, I can't really explain it other than that. It was, it was physical. It was uh, constant. It was demonic. And it was all over me. It was all over me. And at the point I was crying out for help, all I could think of to do was to cry out, Jesus. And so at, at, at one point, I just, I just cried out in a posture of, of repentance. I said, Jesus. And, and all I heard him say was, I'm here. Oh. And immediately, Peggy, my soul re-entered my body. And with my eyes, I saw this wind of the Holy Spirit come in my ICU and physically remove Satan and the demonic instantly. It removed them. And uh, that day, which happened to be Easter Sunday, 2008, Resurrection Sunday, uh, which was a powerful moment for me, um, my body started to physically heal. I mean, it was, it was drastic turnaround. I no longer had any desire, same-sex attraction, no homosexual desires. It was all gone. Everything was gone. And my body, everything was failing on my body. All my organs, my liver, my, I was on dialysis. My kidneys were failing. Everything was failing. My lungs, I had chest tubes. Everything was failing. And every part of my body started to heal miraculously. It was, and it was, it was almost immediate. Because within, within a couple days, I was being moved to a rehab facility uh, just to be able to start learning to walk again and talk again and um, have function again. And so as, it was just a miraculous point was that what Easter were you Sunday. Thinking? <laughs> I, you know, I, I could not, you know, I couldn't say anything because I, I had no ability to talk. So I was doing a lot of writing on uh, on the paper. I was writing on my sheets where I was laying, and 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 the people around me, my parents, my family, were just trying to interpret what I was saying through my finger writing or my writing uh, with a pencil, and uh, just overwhelmed with the fact that this was going on. And you know, I had no idea what my family was experiencing at this point. And how it was going to eventually align with everything that I was going through 
while I was in the coma and what a war I was involved in because my parents were fighting the same war. My dad and mom were, my family was. And, uh, you know, this friend that actually took me to the hospital um, on that evening on February 28th, uh, 2008, uh, she was still there when I was going to rehab, coming there every day. And uh, in rehab, my first few days in rehab, I still was able to talk and, uh, and uh, unable to function. But the Holy Spirit, you know, I had, I had turned my life over to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to me again for the fir- really for the first time as a born again believer. Um, and the Holy Spirit said to me um, that I will marry Beth. And Beth was this woman that took me to the hospital that first night. And uh, he said it very clearly. I knew exactly what he he says. You will marry Beth. And uh, I had no desire to marry anybody at this point. I mean, I'm in rehab. I'm trying to get well. But he already had this whole planned out that I would marry this woman uh, that was just a friend. You know, while I she knew me from uh, when I was in the lifestyle. He said, you will marry Beth. So I'm unable to speak at this point. So I had this, this sort of bell, cowbell by my bedside. Whenever I needed anything, I would ring this bell. And so I rang this bell and Beth came over and I wrote on a piece of paper, will you marry me? And she said, yes. And uh, we uh, sort of had this engagement uh, happen in rehab uh, back uh, when uh, in 2008. And uh, it was just a glorious thing. And we know whatever uh, God ordains, he, he, he will fully bless. And so, uh, yeah, so we, uh, I was released from rehab June 2nd. And uh, even days leading up to rehab, the doctors told me that I would never breathe again on my own, that I would always have oxygen that I would have to carry around with me. They had already set up my home with oxygen tanks. So I can move around my home freely with oxygen attached to me. Uh, But I walked out of that rehab facility with nothing on me and with sort of a new lease on life to follow Jesus, to pursue him at every moment and to live life uh, dedicated and committed to him. And so, you know, Beth and I married that same year in November. um, And we have just been serving the Lord together. And uh, we just love the Lord so much. And uh, just to, just to show you how much the Lord blesses uh, what He ordains. Uh, when the when we got married in two thousand in November two thousand eight, I had a huge medical bill. Um, I had spent three months in the hospital in total, and because uh, I went in February twenty eighth, I was released June second. And so I had this huge medical bill. I already had college loan debt. I had credit cards and uh, literally, literally we were broke. And uh, within, you know, weeks of us being married, my, my home was foreclosed on and uh, the, they came and uh, I had to sell my vehicle because I couldn't afford the payments. So when we got married, we literally had nothing, Peggy, nothing at all. And the Lord led us to this church. And uh, within the first few days, a few Sundays of that church, uh, this couple approached us, uh, George and Sandra Joseph. 
And uh, on that first Sunday, they took us to lunch. And, uh, and uh, every Sunday after that Sunday, Sandra would come up to me and hand me cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was just enough for us, for us to get by week after week after week. But every Sunday, she would give me cash. Mm-hmm. And uh, she got, they got us through a very difficult time, a d- difficult period in our life, and brought us to a place where we were, we were able to live. And um, we saw George and Sandra about two years ago. And, uh, and I approached Sandra and, and I asked her, does she realize what she did for us during that period? And she said, uh, we had no idea what your situation was, but the Holy Spirit told us you needed it. Mm-hmm. And it was just a powerful moment that, that the Holy Spirit was involved from the very beginning and how he was the one that brought me, you know, through a cry to Jesus in a posture of repentance, brought me into a place where the Holy Spirit would come in and bring me, pull me out of death, pull me out of hell. And bring me into a place of light and of goodness and, and just overflowing with blessing. Um, it is just it is just what he does. And and we were just so grateful for that. And he healed you, know, you gave you a wife and gave you cash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he did it all. He did it all. And and it it, it really just it showed me the, the really the true path to not only leave a life of homosexuality, but just leave a life of sin in general. You know, it does, it does, it's not just homosexuality. That's just the sin. Uh, there are all kinds of sin, but it, it, it showed me what, what it takes to be moved from that life into a life where you're honoring and glorifying the one who gives life. And um, so it really gave me a, a full new perspective and, so my wife and I uh, just serve the Lord together. We're, we're both in ministry and, and just loving life. And, and uh, we, we serve in ministry uh, that is working with uh, those that are struggling with sexual sin. And we are working with them on uh, bringing them to a place where they are um, living a life that, that is honoring to God. And, uh, and that puts them in a position uh, for eternity with him with our father in heaven which is which is a great thing what i'm looking forward to as well i've never heard that phrase sexual sin does that mean promiscuity yeah fornication you know in the church today we're gay or straight i assume yes yes i mean in the church today we have a lot of men and women who are not married and they're in the church and they're having sexual relationships with 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 each other uh, so uh, that is just as much a sexual sin as, as sleeping and having sexual relationships with, with same-sex uh, uh, groups of people, women and women, men and men. So it's all coupled in, in sort of this idea, you know, God's design for sex is a one-man, one-woman marriage for a lifetime. I mean, that's his design from the very beginning. So we, we work with uh, both men and women. Uh, that are struggling uh, in sexual sin uh, because we know what the truth is uh, all the way from back from Genesis and, and how Jesus confirms that when he says that, that uh, the man will leave his mom and dad and, and cling to his wife. And he reflects back to Genesis when he says that 
So we, we just we just try to promote that and, and say that that is God's way and that's God's design. And that is the right way um, because um, your fornication, sexual sin, uh, uh, heterosexual uh, sexual relationships outside of marriage, just as just as bad as a homosexual relationship. Have you been getting attacked by the gay community? Since yeah, I have. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I, I sort of share my story uh, when it comes to um, uh, right now, there's a, a huge movement within the, um, the school systems here in America to uh, push this agenda onto our kids that they could choose uh, their gender. Mm -hmm. uh, it, not, it doesn't have to be male or female. It could be really anything. And, you know, social media is promoting this idea that there's multiple genders. Uh, there's multiple things that you can be. And so our school systems are pushing this. And, you know, early on for me, I was, I was confused with my gender. Um, I, I really felt at one point that I was born in the wrong body. And so, again, that's an attack from the enemy. And so these kids today in our school systems, they're being pushed this agenda and they're, they're starting to believe this this lie from the from Satan, and and our school systems are promoting it. So I, I really speak out at school board meetings that are uh, really promoting this idea that children uh, can choose their gender, and that they can choose to change their gender, um, because that is uh, opposite of what God wants for them. And so we want to be very clear and very honest. Uh, you know, we want to love them well, but we also want to be very truthful. I mean, we can't love them without truth. Uh, Why do you think you're doing this? Again, I think I think it's just that the way our, our society is is pushing uh, and our culture is pushing this idea that is really a, a, something that has been downloaded in them from Satan himself. I mean, because uh, um, gays are actually a very small percentage of the population still. And it seems like to change the whole scope of our what we teach our children based on such a small percentage, yeah. in my viewpoint. Yeah, you're right, Peggy. And, 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 you know, when I was from 2005 to 2008, when I was had that experience and I started was committed to the gay church, um, one of the 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 pushes of equality florida at that time was for us in the gay community in the gay church to start infiltrating other churches and start uh, really growing a sense of empathy on our our behalf and really pushing our agenda into other denominations mainstream denominations and we're seeing that today you're, you're seeing the episcopalians the presbyterians the methodists uh, the baptists now are having an issue with with this idea that they can uh, be affirming and they could be promoting uh, this this lifestyle that is actually separates them from God. And and, and so uh, we are seeing the same things in our schools, the Equality Florida and Human Rights Campaign. They see this uh, this this opportunity to really infiltrate our schools and to really push the agenda on our kids early. So by the time they get to high school and college, they are already in this idea that even if they don't experience this, that they are all right and they can affirm and they can really promote uh, others that have experienced uh, this idea that their gender can be fluid. 
And uh, so is it's there money really, behind this? Like, why would churches go along with it or schools? A lot of money, a lot of money. Where's there, this money coming from? Who's behind this? There's there's a lot of uh, really a lot lot of financial uh, moguls that are pushing this agenda and and are funding it uh, through the Human Rights Campaign. The Human Rights Campaign, if you go to their website, Peggy. They are funded by all the major corporations in America. If you so look at their websites, these pastors are selling their soul. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're really uh, in simple you know, terms. It, I mean, it is, and and you know from the, what the Bible says, in the end there'll be the separation, and there'll be a wide road and a narrow road, and so you're going to see a lot of denominations uh, which will be making up that wide road uh, because they've chosen to follow something separate from what God's plan is for us and our and his design for us. So it, it's really it's really a growing issue. So we're seeing in our school systems. And also I've been uh, sharing in front of uh, city and county councils uh, where they're pushing this idea that they want to close down opportunities for people to receive therapy or counseling. And they're calling it conversion therapy. And um, uh, what they're doing is they're they're making this idea that conversion therapy is uh, this this therapy that was was introduced back in the you know the 50s and 60s and 70s that involves some uh, really uh, wrong ways of they're making of the providing. illegal, aren't they? Yes, yes. So they're they're calling conversion therapy any kind of counseling, and it, it could be as basic as someone meeting with their pastor. So what so what we're a, doing right now, if it was in uh, Ohio, which it isn't. It could yep. what we're doing could be illegal and we can illegal. go to jail for you coming on here and telling me your near death experience and how you were saved by Jesus, how you are healed of AIDS and your life is better now. They don't want people to know this. They no, don't want they people don't. to know you don't have to be born with it. You know, they say born with it. And I say, well, we're all born heterosexual. And at some point, somebody chooses to be gay and they can choose to not be gay or heterosexuals can, like say, they can choose to be gay. So it's a choice. And somebody got mad at me the other day after I had Jeffrey McCoy, um, McCall on because yep. I said they choose it. And I got all kinds of hate mail and stuff. Um, but I said, well, why isn't it a choice? Because you made a choice at some point. I'm going to act out on this. That's right. And you, you made should. a choice mm -hmm. to ask this woman to marry you, to That's leave right. that. So we do have choice. It's, we're not animals. You That's know, right. we we have brains. We can make choices. We may have thought like, a, maybe I look at a man like, oh, I'm going to cheat on my husband. I, no, I'm not going to do that. I have a choice. That's right. That's right. That's right. Like you said, we, we were all born into sin. We're all born, you know, because of the sin nature, Adam's fall in the garden. Um, that we were all born into a sin nature. So we're all born with the ability to sin. And so this is very easy for people to say that I was born this way. Well, we were all born into sin, but that's why we're called to be born again. And, and it's very clear what the Bible says about being born again. It's really not, not coming and rebirthing yourself, but rebirthing your, your, your spirit and, and you become new in Christ. And so everyone has that opportunity. Everyone should have that opportunity. And this 
conversion therapy ban that they're pushing all over America, and we're seeing it now in Canada as being official, um, is really a, a place uh, for them to block pastors or any kind of spiritual advisor that's going to lead them away from sin into a place of position with God, uh, they're wanting to hinder that. So uh, be you're, very you're, careful. And if that law passes in your state, you just signed away freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, here in Florida, in the city of Tallahassee, where this all happened to me, they just passed the city, the city of Tallahassee passed a conversion therapy ban in the city. So that means if anyone in the city can identify a pastor that is counseling someone, uh, they could bring fines against that pastor, not jail time yet, but fines. So it's sort of a form of persecution. So we're, we're seeing this happening in, in cities all across the U.S., and, and they're really bringing it now to the state level where you know, states are looking at potentially blocking therapy uh, across the board. And, you know, we should never block anyone who wants to, to really receive counsel for this. Yeah. Because it, it, it should that? be a good choice. Yeah. Your right to be a drug addict. Exactly. Your right to be a child molester. Exactly. Exactly. So we, we, we really are wanting to be. Uh, um, you know, we're start, we're sort of behind the game here. The ch the church really uh, needs to start being bold. They need to start speaking again truth in love from the pulpit, and they uh, they need not to fear this because the more they fear it, the more it's going to overrun them, and uh, they're going to lose. And and uh, we don't need that. So uh, they need to be ready to turn that money down. Exactly. Exactly. So. You know, so that 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 is really where I'm at because I, I really have experienced death and hell. So I know what sexual sin can do. Uh, whether again, it's fornication or it's homosexuality. Uh, so uh, my my voice is that we can all uh, come out of sexual sin uh, through the power of a radical encounter with the one true God, uh, through the Holy spirit. Yeah. So, amen. Yeah. So, so God is working and he's continuing to work. And, you know, I, I, I really, uh, just am grateful for opportunities to share what God did and how he, um, he brought me through and, uh, I'm walking and living and breathing and just, uh, lifting up, uh, the name of Jesus. And the people that you know, start attacking me for this, I just had Jeffrey on. I didn't even know Jeffrey till just a few minutes before, you know, so, oh, yeah, let's go on. You know, because he's like, oh, how, how are you? I just met him on Facebook. And he said he had an NDE. And I said, well, you'll be on NDE TV. I said, yeah, when you come on, said, how about an hour? Okay. You know, it was just like that. And so oh. I heard his story. He's like, I'm hearing yours for the first time. And I heard a little bit of it on the Stone Hair Club. And um, and then I started getting all this attack from people um, saying stuff like I didn't even know. I didn't watch the Netflix that Jeffrey was in, um, Pray yeah, Away, pray until mm -hmm. after I recorded his show. And, um, and so they wanted to attack me for, I said, I'm promoting conversion therapy. Well, I had to look up what that was. I, okay, I do remember that from a long time ago. Um, I, he was already converted like you, you're already converted. Yeah. I'm not, 
counseling yeah. you. You're telling me your story. But it's, it's a shame that we're going to have to be afraid of everything we say. Um, because certain people are protected, while the the rest, Christians or people with traditional values, are going to be um, sent to jail for their yeah. beliefs. And then like I say, there's such a small percentage. You know, yeah. um, you look, at, uh, and I forget what it is, like 0.04 or something, like last I looked, I think, of, you know, percentage of population is gay. And we're going to change all of our laws and all these people are going to go to jail or be censored and, you know, things because of we have to watch. Um, because it's just human nature. If, if someone comes to you and they're not happy with their lifestyle, no matter what it is, whether it's drugs or per, being promiscuous or, you know, a Christian is going to try and help them. A church is going to try and help them. Right. The church is a hospital. So the church is going to bring in anybody. Uh, we welcome all people. Anyone who's struggling, that's why the church is there, to be a hospital for the broken. So we, we need to welcome everyone, homosexuals, heterosexuals, anyone. Uh, but again, we got to be very clear that what God's design is and what God's way is and what it's not. Because really, eternity is very close for us all. And we all need to be ready because Jesus is coming, is returning uh, soon. And so whether we die a natural death or Jesus returns, we have to be ready. Yeah. And so it's just very important. And, and, and again, like you're, you were being attacked uh, because of just having a Jeffrey on, uh, those attacks are, are very real and they're happening. And, and you're really seeing it, Peggy, and in, in also in the media, if you look at any kind of television, film, this promotion of gender fluidity is very clear and very active when you're watching commercials, if you're watching uh, TV programs, film, movies, they always are now, they're always introducing some character, some situation that includes some kind of gender fluid person. And it's only just another way of reaching a generation that is sort of the social media generation that the, this up and coming generation that this kind of thing is accepted and it should be promoted and pushed and agreed upon. And we can't have that. We can't have that because, you know, one day uh, when we all get to eternity, we're going to be, we're going to, we're going to be thanked. If someone's in heaven, they're going to thank us. And if someone is in hell, they're going to wonder why we never told them the truth. So we got to always be ready to tell the truth with love and share that with them because eternity is forever, forever. You know, I was, I was there only for, you know, I, literally 22 minutes was my time frame, uh, but it felt a lot longer than that. And can you imagine an, an eternity in hell? So you were like flatlined, you're gone 22 minutes? I was flatlined uh, 1022 is when I extubated myself and 1044 is when they um, stabilized me. So I just, that's sort of my time. And your poor dad. Oh yeah. My dad sort of shared, my dad just starts weeping when he shares the story because he, he was like, you know, and, and he was the only one in the room when that happened. And, and he immediately called my mother uh, who was back at my house to pray. And, and my mother, as soon as my mother got the call, my mother, um, the Holy Spirit just downloaded Psalm 121 into my mom 
right when uh, right when my dad called and, and she started just speaking that and of course it, it just says uh, in this that scripture that he who watches over Israel never sleeps nor slumbers so my mother just said he who watches over Mark never sleeps nor slumbers he's always with him so she was just professing that even though I was flatlined that the Lord was with me and so it was amazing that at that point, all I had to do was cry out Jesus. And he said, I'm here. So for my mother to speak that scripture, that the Lord would be with me. And for him to immediately say, I'm here. And for my life to change in that instant, it was just all aligned so perfectly. And it was, it was just something that it was radical. It was radical. And so uh, we, we serve a God uh, uh, that, is amazing now you and your wife have children well when i married my wife she already had three sons you know so um and because i was uh you know i still uh feared uh you know maybe passing off a virus uh if if we ever had children uh we decided that we would uh foster so we had three sons and then we we gained a foster daughter annie and so Annie, Annie lived with us all the way through um, her graduation from high school, and then she moved out, and she's doing very well. And so, uh, yeah, so we have, uh, she has three sons from her first marriage, and then we had Annie as a foster daughter. And uh, we have five grandsons, and we just had our first granddaughter from Annie. I bet your parents are thrilled. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, they are just yeah, they, they love sharing their story, too, because it's, it's amazing uh, for them to share and see how uh, the Lord aligned everything just right and and how they were able to fight uh, Satan uh, just hand in hand in this battle, uh, because we know that uh, this is a, a spiritual battle. It's, it's a battle not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and principalities of a of the heavenly realm. So we know that what they were doing in that moment was fighting a spiritual war. And, and the Holy spirit even told them that when, when they first entered my room, they said, you're in He said, you're entering a war zone that this will be a battle between life and death, heaven and hell. And, and so he would, uh, that Holy spirit was just professing prophesying of what was going to happen eventually. You know, another amazing thing about it, Peggy is the, uh, the nurses that were there with me. And how they responded to what happened and how many were just astounded. Um, Susan, one of the main nurses that took care of me, uh, she would be working on me just Monday through Friday. She would go home on the weekends. So this all happened on Easter weekend. So when she left, she told me this, uh, you know, months later, but she left on that Friday before the Easter weekend. And she said, my, my body was in full chaos. She said, I was under attack. I was under attack. But she said, when I returned on Monday after the Sunday, Easter Sunday, she said, you had the biggest smile on your face. (laughs) So she was confirming that I had been in the presence of the Lord. And and, uh, it was, it was very clear. So it was, it was good to also get that confirmation from other people that were around me that were, really, uh, you know, non-believers. Um, and so they were confirming exactly what my parents and what I was going through. So, uh, the Lord, the Lord did such a, a 
his mercy, his mercy was so great, so great, and just so grateful. I know several stories, uh, miracles happened on Easter Sunday. Oh, yeah? Uh, and actually, it's um, a week before my second NDE tool pregnancy it was Easter Sunday when my son Jeremy was drowned in the creek. It was Easter Sunday. Wow. Yeah. And I just, I was praying yeah. and I left my body and all suddenly I knew, you know, what was happening. I prayed to him, Jeremy, you know, stand up, walk out of there. And then years later, he says, mom, I heard you praying. I never knew yeah. that. And that he says what it was, it, you know, it, he was trying to swim. And uh, he heard me say, Jeremy, calm down, you know, put your feet down, stand up, walk out of there. And I, I was floored. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. That's it's, they're nice. I appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. I wish yeah. you and your wife and your parents, your kids and grandkids the best of everything. And Thank keep up so the good much. work. Thank you, Peggy, for having me. God bless you. You too. Bye-bye.